Good morning. The last chapel of the semester. Who's ready for break? Like every, yeah, everybody. Can we start now? Should we just skip the next few days? We can't do that. We can't. You can get there. You can do it. God's with you. Sustaining, empowering, and loving you through the final days. You can do it. Let's pray as we begin. God, I pray this morning you'd open our eyes to see you. Would you open our ears to hear your words and would you open our hearts for your Holy Spirit to form and shape us into your image for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever wanted to make a decision but you just couldn't do it? Like scrolling through Netflix or Hulu or Prime and trying to decide what to watch next? Anyone? Or going back and forth of where you're going out for dinner and it just takes forever? Here it's a little easier because it's like pizza or Mexican. That's about the only thing. It's like harder but easier at the same time. And I'm from Texas. There's good Mexican food around here. It, it holds up for sure. Or if you're like me in the season of Christmas, you can't decide what... Like, I can't decide what I want or to get others, so I read review after review and look at product after product, and then I just suffer from analysis paralysis, and I just kind of freeze. Anyone else making decisions? And maybe that's you with a summer job, or deciding to date someone, or changing your major, or whatever it is. You want to choose, but you can't. You want someone to tell you what to do. You want someone to show you the way to go. It would be so much easier. And it'd certainly be easier in our Christian journey as well. Because how many times have you said something like, God, I want to obey you. I will obey you. I'll follow you. I want to listen to your voice. I want to respond to your voice. But will you just tell me where to go? Would you just tell me what decision to make? Would you just tell me what to do and how to respond and I will do it. Yet a clear response from God didn't come. You were left to, to discern how to respond. And that's where we're going to land this series. Learning what it looks like to respond to God's voice. Because it's not truly hearing God's voice unless we respond to God's voice. So if you have your Bibles, open with me to Mark chapter 3. And I'm going to read for us the first six verses. Again, Jesus entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And the Pharisees watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so they, that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, come here. And he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him, how to destroy him. In this text, there could be a lot to say about Sabbath or the Pharisees trying to trap Jesus. 
But this morning, let's focus on the question that Jesus asks and the two responses to that question. So first, the question. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? Jesus asks this question to the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day. Because a man with a withered hand comes to Jesus. He came to the synagogue on the Sabbath and Jesus said to that man, come over here. And this caught the Pharisees' attention. They wondered if Jesus was going to heal this man on the Sabbath. And they watched Jesus, hoping that he would, wanting to accuse him of a Sabbath violation. Working on the Sabbath, which was worthy of death according to Exodus 31, 14. But is doing good, restoring health, healing the sick and hurting really a violation? Is that working on the Sabbath? If so, that does not sound like God. And to get at that, Jesus asks the Pharisees a question. Is God for health or death? What's more important, rules or people? And the Pharisees hear Jesus' voice. They listen to the question. And now it's time for them to respond to respond to God's voice. Have you been in that place before? The place where God has spoken or the place where you sense he might be leading? Have you read the words of scripture and after you were done, you knew that you needed to respond in some way to what you just read? Have you seen something in our world that beckoned an overwhelming feeling that you needed to do something about it? Or maybe you have multiple options of internships, jobs, or grad schools, and it's the time to respond and make a decision. That's the place the Pharisees are in. The place where it is time to respond to God's voice, to Jesus' question. And listen to how they respond. Here's what scripture says. But they were silent. They froze. They couldn't make a decision. They did not know how to respond. One commentator writes this. The Pharisees' approach treats ritual and institution as key. If the law contains any ambiguities, it must be made specific so that one may know precisely what must be done at all times and who is guilty of an infraction. You see, the Pharisees were used to a system that was black and white. A system with 613 commandments from the Old Testament. And then with each of those commandments, there was an oral tradition with different prescriptions. So, for example, the commandment in the Bible is you shall not work on the Sabbath. Do not work on the Sabbath. But then the oral tradition gave prescriptions like you could only help someone on the Sabbath if they were in mortal danger. Or this is one of my favorites. You can tie a knot on the Sabbath only if you can untie it with one hand. But if you can use both hands, you can't tie a knot. 
Isn't that interesting? The Pharisees were used to having it all laid out for them. They never had to wonder how to respond to God's voice because everything was specific. But now Jesus speaks. He asks a question and they don't know what God would want. They do not know what to do and they remain silent. They don't respond. What about you? Have you heard God's voice in scripture or creation or culture or through other people? Have you heard God's voice in silence or prophecy or any other way in which he speaks and then not known what to do or how to respond? Have you remained silent or stuck when God has asked you to speak or act? Have you been paralyzed by confusion or fear or doubt when needing to respond to God's voice in your life? That's where the Pharisees are. And for honest, this is often you and it's often me. So how do we respond to God's voice? How do we respond to God's voice when we're unsure of what decision to make or how to act or what to say? How do we respond to God's voice when we're so afraid of making the wrong decision? Let's see how Jesus responds to his own question. First, he's angered and saddened by the lack of response from the Pharisees. But then Jesus says to the man with the withered hand in Mark 3, 5, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and his hand was restored. Jesus responded by healing the man. Jesus knew what God wanted and did it. He responded. And Jesus has done this before, by the way. He's healed someone on the Sabbath. We can look at John chapter 5 where Jesus heals a paralyzed man and is criticized by the Pharisees again. And in that instance, Jesus calmly replied, My father is still working and I also am working. Jesus knew God was working, so Jesus worked. But how did Jesus know God was working? How did Jesus know God wanted him to respond and heal the man? Because in Mark 3 and in John 5, God does not clearly or specifically say, Son, heal the man with the withered hand. Jesus, heal the man who can't walk. God does not give specific words to Jesus. He doesn't ask Jesus a question to answer. Jesus just responds. He knows what to do without being told. So my wife and I often look for babysitters so that we can go on a date. There's some of you in this room who've probably babysat or I've asked to babysat. Thank you, by the way. Um, and there are really two types of babysitters. All parents in the room will understand this. There's babysitters who do the dishes and there's babysitters who don't do the dishes. Now you're thinking, oh, did I do the dishes the last time I babysat for Sam? You're welcome, also employees and parents. They will now all do the dishes. 
right? And Gail and I don't ask babysitters to do the dishes. It's not required and it's not even expected. We're not disappointed when we get back from our date and the dishes from dinner aren't cleaned up or the toys aren't straightened. We'll still ask you if you don't do the dishes. However, when they are washed, when the kitchen is clean, when the toys are picked up, it is a huge blessing. I cannot tell you enough because the last thing that Gail and I want to do when we get home from a date is to clean up after the mess you and my kids made. I love you guys. So I tell you this for two reasons. First, when I ask you to babysit, do the dishes. And secondly, did you know Jesus tells a parable like this? He doesn't use babysitters. He uses the word servants. But, you know, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm, I love you. I pay a lot of money. But in Luke 17, Jesus basically says, unworthy servants are those who only do what they are told. Worthy, useful servants are those who see what needs to be done and do it. You see, Jesus wasn't waiting on God's words to act. He already knew God's words. He already knew God's heart. God's heart to heal and restore and redeem and set free. God's heart for people. Jesus knew how God wanted him to respond because Jesus knew the heart of God. Jesus knew God's voice. Do you know God's heart that well? Do you know God's voice? Are you a follower of Jesus that can respond to God's voice without being told specifically what to do? Are you the babysitter who does dishes or doesn't do dishes? I asked that question to myself this week, and, and here's what I reflected on, because I've prayed prayers in different seasons. God, would you just tell me what to do? God, tell me where to go. How do I respond to this person or that circumstance? Please tell me. I'll do it. I want to follow you. That is my heart's desire. But it would just be easier, God, if you'd give me some direction and tell me what to do. And listen, if you've prayed prayers like that, those are not bad prayers. They're honest prayers. They're good prayers. But I read a quote this week that kind of wrecked me that I want to share with you. This is from Dallas Willard in his book, Hearing God. In many cases, our need to wonder about or be told what God wants in a certain situation is a clear indication of how little we are engaged in his work. Sit with that for a moment. Think about the Pharisees' response. They weren't told what to do and they were silent. They didn't know God's heart. They didn't recognize God's voice. His voice that loves and cares for all people. And they couldn't answer the question. Is God for life or death? They didn't know. They were not engaged in God's true work. Therefore, they did not know how to respond. But Jesus healed the man. He knew God's heart and love for all people. He recognized God's voice in the world. Jesus was engaged in God's work. He was a participant. He responded. 
Is your response to God's voice more like the Pharisees or Jesus? Do you know God's heart? Do you recognize his voice? His way? And my answers to those questions is, I like to think I do. Sometimes I know how to respond, and sometimes I don't. It depends. And I imagine your answer is similar. So how do we become more engaged with God's work? How do we get to know God's heart? How do we respond to God's voice? And to answer this question, I want to quote Dallas Willard one more time. How do we respond to God's voice? We become so close to God that we do not have to wait to hear his words. We don't have to be asked, but are engaged in free-hearted collaboration with Jesus and his friends in the kingdom. Doesn't that sound nice? Not having to wait to hear God's words because we already know God's words. To become so close to God that what he wants in our lives and world is a natural overflow from our being with him and spending time with him. That hearing God's voice is not something we wait for in paralyzing anticipation, but it's something that's actually already in you. It's already in me through God's relationship to us. And this idea brings us back to where we started this series in September. John chapter 10. Do you remember? The sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him. For they do not know the voice of strangers. And then the bumper we've heard repeatedly this semester. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. And they follow me. You've heard me say this before this semester, but Jesus' words are full of relational language. They're full of the heart of God. They're full of what God sounds like because Jesus knows you. He knows your name and he sees you and he hears you and he loves you. And his sheep, you and me, hear his voice. Trust his voice because in the deepest parts of who we are, we know that love to be true. Do you know that to be true? Do you know that you are loved and cared for by the good shepherd, by Jesus? Do you know that he left heaven and came to earth? Emmanuel, God with us, that's Christmas, what it's all about. Do you know that he laid his life down for you? 
And are you close enough to Jesus for that to be the reality that you live from? The reality you respond from? Because that's been the heart of this series from the beginning. To be close to the good shepherd. To be close to Jesus and learn to recognize, trust, and hear and respond to God's voice. And that's the reason Jesus wants you to hear his voice. To be close to you. Because you must be close to the source of the sound you're trying to hear. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. And they follow me. And they follow me. They respond to me. Why? Because Jesus knows them. And they know Jesus. Dort, when you are close to Jesus and know him, when you know how much he loves you and all people, his word will begin to naturally flow out of your life. You will not have to wait to hear God's words. You will begin to live God's words. It will become who you are. It will be the decision that you make and the words that you will speak. As we get close to Jesus, we'll begin to respond to God's voice naturally. So if you've gotten to the end of this series and you're not sure what God has spoken, you still haven't heard his voice, or maybe you've heard him speak and you're just not really sure how to respond to it. And this is all of us at times, by the way. Here's your action step. Here's what to do. Go get close to Jesus and find out how much he loves you. Go get close to Jesus and find out how much he loves you. And this semester we talked about several ways to become close to Jesus and hear his voice. Silence and prophecy and creation and others. But the place that I want to direct you as we end is the first place we began learning how to hear God's voice. And that's the Bible. The written word. Because as I quoted a few weeks ago, St. Augustine says this, The whole Bible does nothing but tell of God's love. The Bible is the story of God's love for you and for all people. It's the story that he will be your God and you will be his people. That is the Bible in one sentence. No matter what you do or how far you run, God will be your God. He will seek after you and he will find you. And he will convey his love towards you and extend an invitation into grace, forgiveness, and freedom over and over and over again. And as God meets you in the Bible, as you begin to open up this book and you begin to consume it and read it and find out how much he loves you, what he has done for you, God will point you to Jesus over and over again because that's what this book is all about and you'll get to know Jesus you'll get to know the sacrificial love he has for you and you will become the sheep that knows hears and follows your shepherd's voice you will become the sheep that experiences the full life that Jesus offers
shepherds adored. Let's be a flock of sheep that are close to their shepherd. Let's be a people who knows they are loved. And from that place, allow God's voice, allow his words to overflow from our hearts and our minds and our entire bodies into our lives and world.